0: I have a job and the Lakers have a job. I'm going nowhere, I can tell you that, straight and up front. I'm going to be here until Steve says get out. I plan to be here a long time. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Today we're going to be looking back a relatively eventful Tuesday in the NBA with six games on and then previewing the nine games for Wednesday. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. Let's get to it indeed. We will start where we always do on this show, of course, with... Monstrous line of the night. And the monstrous line of the night goes to Brooke Lopez of the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, there were two guys who were really in consideration for the monstrous today. It was uh, two guys who were actually traded for each other Brooke Lopez and D'Angelo Russell. Amazingly, the Lakers have neither of those guys still just one year on uh, from the deal. Sorry, one and a half years on from the deal. Lopez does get the monstrous line of the night. 28 points, including five triples, nine rebounds, three assists, three steals, four blocks. He was eight of 14 from the field and seven of 10 from the free throw line. Lopez has been an absolute star this season. Someone who was getting drafted really, really late like you're talking uh, last couple of rounds of the draft. I was all about him in that uh, that zone of the draft. I didn't think he'd become the 52nd best player. And to be honest, had no idea he'd be the 27th best guy in the last two months back to almost Brooklyn Nets type of value, but doing it in a completely different way. Back then, Lopez was that top 30, top 20 guy by scoring 20 points a game. Now, he's scoring 13 points a game, but having almost three blocks, hitting over two threes, getting a steal a game, 89% from the line in those last 27 games. Unbelievable value from Brook Lopez, one of the absolute steals of the draft. Um, Astonishing that the Lakers, A, couldn't use him properly properly last season, and then let him go to sign a minimum contract in Milwaukee when he would have fit perfectly on this team and you can't say oh yeah he wouldn't have signed with the Lakers he he wouldn't have probably but that's also because of the way they treated him last season and the way they didn't use him and that was really poor coaching from Luke Walton with Lopez last season he has absolutely fired up this year and uh is putting together just a consistent stretch run and he again is one of these guys that we talk about players are injury prone until they're not Brook Lopez has now played 71 games this season, 74 the year before, 75 the year before that, 73 the year before that, 72 the year before that. So guys are injury prone until they are not. Remember when no one would touch this guy in drafts with a 10-foot pole? He was an Iron Man until he got hurt. I think he played 82 games his first three or four seasons in the NBA, then had two broken feet, and now is back to playing a consistent amount of games. Things change in that regard really, really quickly, and Lopez is a great uh, indicator of that as we're seeing right now. Waiver wire line of the night. The waiver wire line of the night. It's not all that grim for you, Lakers fans, because Kentavious Caldwell Pope. He is your waiver wire line of the night. He did get hurt at the end of the game. We haven't heard any update on his ankle injury. There, thirty-four minutes, including thirty-five points, eight triples. Three rebounds, one assist, two steals, and a block on 60% shooting. His production has been quite up and down, but that's you know, four or five big games in a row. and Maybe not big games in a row, but his last five games, let's talk about them. 24 points with four triples in 31 minutes against the Bulls. with a steal and two blocks in 22 against the Raptors. 17 with three triples in 30 minutes against the Pistons. 11-4 with two threes in 28 minutes against the Knicks. And then this absolute explosion. Over the last two weeks, he is bordering on a top 100 player. Over the last four games, he is a top 70 player. He's hitting threes. He's hitting twos at a pretty decent rate. And by decent, I mean astonishingly high, 65%. But to be fair... Over the last 40 games, he's hitting his twos at 61%. So it's not that egregious that he's there. The two, the threes are going in. He's getting a steal a game. Now he's not going to be for everybody. It's realistically just a really strong three point streamer with, uh, with very, very good, uh, two point percentage and overall field goal percentage, which is not something that you always think of with Kentavious, Caldwell Pope. But with Josh the Hitman Hart really, really laboring with this knee injury with LeBron, you know, who knows what the hell's going on with him. With Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball out for the year, there is value here, and he pushes pushes himself into that three point streaming uh, territory now, into that category of guys who can be relied upon, and maybe you look to add him uh, as a consistent streamer, as someone you look at in uh, in twelve team leagues as we move forward. But another big game from KCP. It's been a nice little two week stretch of performances from him, high efficiency. High three pointers, a good amount of uh, a, a decent amount of steals in that time as well, and it is really really working out well at, at the right time of the year in fantasy playoffs. You just hope that we don't uh, it doesn't put it doesn't get a pin put in it at some point as the uh, as the season moves on. But big big performance there from Cantavius Caldwell Pope. Today's show is brought to you by DraftKings, and did you know that you can fill out an NCAA tournament bracket on DraftKings this year? That's right. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, and they have a totally free bracket with tens of thousands of dollars up for grabs. Everybody fills out a bracket during the tournament. You might as well do it on an award-winning app with tons of free prizes. For the first time ever, DraftKings is offering a bracket battle promotion with $64,000 in prizes you can pick, whoever you want to win it. I think, I think I'm going to go with Duke again. I don't know really all that much about college basketball, but, uh, just go go with Duke for the uh, for the fun of it and just to see Zion progress as much as possible. You know how your brackets work before the tip-off of the first game of the tournament. Pick the winner of every game, every round. That's all there is to it and the best part is you can play for free by using the code DRIBBLE. You can even set up a private group for you and your friends to compete for bragging rights. Download the DraftKings app or head to DraftKings.com now. Use that code DRIBBLE to enter the bracket battle promotion for free and compete for your share of 64000 dollars redos. That's the code dribble to enter the bracket battle for free only at DraftKings the game inside the game eligibility restrictions apply see DraftKings.com for details let's move on to the next uh, one it is the deep leaguer of the night and it goes to Josh Akogi of the Minnesota Timberwolves second consecutive strong game from akogi 30 minutes 19 points three triples Four rebounds, one assist, and three steals. He was a guy that graded out pretty well when looking at rookie, uh, rookie projections or rookie translations. He was thrust into a much larger role than expected this season with his ongoing injury from Bob Covington. Um, and he, even his playing time has been up and down. But the last two games, 40 combined points in 65 minutes, Six triples, four steals, nine rebounds, and four assists. Today, he went 19-4-1 with three steals and three threes. The shooting is at an unsustainably high level. The usage is probably higher than we expect from Kogi. The game before this, he played just 16 minutes. Uh, sorry, the game before these last two, 16 minutes. 23 the game before that. 26-19. In fact, he scored 40 points in the last two games combined. In his previous five games, he had scored 13 points combined. He has had a steal though in six consecutive games and had three steals in two of those six games. So that's elevating his numbers up. But realistically, he's just a deeper league sort of guy. If you're looking for some steals, he can be a 14 team streamer. This, you know, if he can maintain 30 minutes a night, I'd be interested. I'm just not. Convinced he will again. No Covington, no Teague, no Rose. That is all helping a Kogi. Plus, he's getting this weird spike in usage, and the shots are going in at an astonishingly high rate, which won't continue almost definitely. But he's showing flashes. He's showing that he can be an NBA starter. He's showing that he can be a top one hundred fantasy player at some point in the next three years. I think that's a decent level of. Um, Uh, expectation. We know guys with good steal rates tend to progress pretty well. The shot's got to come around. It's starting to develop. That's a positive sign. 28% from three over the course of the season, but over the last 14 games, 36%. A huge step forward in that regard. Uh, Got to get better from the line. Got to get better in uh, your rebounding and assist to really have an impact. But I think he can be a standard league guy maybe in the fourth season of his contract, depending on what the Timberwolves do with uh, Andy Wiggins. But even if they don't, we could see uh, situations where we get Covington as a permanent power forward, Wiggins as a three, and a Kogi as a two, because Rose isn't going to be there long-term as a... Um, as an option there at shooting guard, I wouldn't expect. And Sharage has really been struggling in his time. So interesting stuff there from Josh Okoge. Young gun of the night. The young gun of the night is Benny Simmons of the Philadelphia 76ers, stepping it up with Joel Embiid out. 38 minutes, 28, eight and five, one steal and two blocks. He missed one field goal, 11 of 12 from the field. He missed four free throws, six of 10 from the line, but you come to expect that from Simmons, the 34th ranked player over the course of the season, and that's significantly higher in a punt free throw build and, of course, punting threes as well. He's jumping into that top 20 type of discussion, averaging 17, nine, and eight. Not all that um, not all that far off his rookie numbers where he averaged 16, eight, and eight, an extra rebound, an extra point. Yeah, he's averaging fewer assists and steals, so that's hurting him overall, but higher efficiency from the field and from the uh, free throw line. That's uh, that's helping him, of course. Uh, this season still hasn't hit a three, but at least has uh, attempted some, or attempted one at least. Uh, it will go in this year. I feel confident that my confidence maybe is waning with 11 games left, that he is going to hit a three. Oh, I, do, I do think he will. I hope he does. But um, yeah, Simmons has been here. You know, for what you need from him, he's doing exactly what he needs. Now, maybe that him topping out at this level is, you know, where's the improvement come here in Simmons? Uh, does he ever become a 20-point-per-game scorer? That's probably going to be a struggle but he can be a consistent top 20 punt free throw guy. And if that, if that jumps up, maybe then he can become a top 20 overall sort of a player. But another good game without Joel Embiid for Ben Simmons. The dud of the night feels a bit unfair to give it to a Brooklyn Nets player given how good their game was and how good of a comeback and big of a win that was, but Spencer Dinwiddie struggled once again. His last three games have been brutal. 24 minutes for Spence, 10 points with three assists and a steal. I said before the week that Dinwiddie and Lavert were dropped with only two games this week, and then in the first game this week, they both really struggled. Dinwiddie um, is not a guy that I'm necessarily holding onto. They played the Lakers on Friday, and then the next game is against the Blazers on, uh, on Monday, and they only have three games next week anyway. He's the 104th ranked player on a per-game basis this season, Dinwiddie, and over the last 10 games since he returned from injury, he's only ranked 140th. It should be a pretty easy decision to move on from him in 12-team leagues with performance, with form, with schedule, all are pointing to that direction. So I think he's a pretty clear drop in 10s and 12s. 14-teamers, you probably hold on to him, but if you need the games played volume for the rest of this week, where you might get four games out of his roster spot to qualify for the next round, you've got to do it. His upside's not that high, especially with the way that D'Angelo Russell is playing that you got to consider him a must-hold player. The plus-minus goats of the day, Andre Iguodala had the best net rating, plus 80.1, while prison Mike was a disaster for the Sixers, a negative 120 in his 15 minutes before he fouled out. Let's look at some injury news. Dazza Collison sat this game out with a quad injury. It looks like he's going to miss the next game as well. For the Pacers, it was Tyreek Evans who really stepped up in today's game. It's really hard to trust Tyreek because in the previous games that Collison missed, it had been Corey Joseph. Joseph drew the start. He played only 20 minutes. And in plenty of opportunities when Evans had started, he'd really shit the bed. But he thrives when the ball's in his hands. If you want to take a flyer on him, perhaps it's probably more 14-team than anything. Kid Gilchrist suffered a head injury today. He's going to be tested for a concussion. That just helps boost the value of someone like Miles Bridges for D performance and Frank the Tank Kaminsky, who gets a couple of extra minutes there, while Taj Gibson exited the Timberwolves game with a calf issue. If he is out, deeper leagues will want to pay attention to Gorgie Jeng, while Dario Saric gets maybe a couple of extra minutes, pushing him more into the 14-team league discussion type area. Let's go into these games now from Tuesday, the six of them. Talk about them from a fantasy point of view. The first game that we take a look at, the Philadelphia 76ers and the Charlotte Hornets, Big win for the Sixers in the end. They were looking like they were going to lose without Joel Embiid. They win 118-114. Um, Jimmy Butler, General Soreness, was great again. 23-4-9 and with two steals and a block. While Toby Harris saw his usage rate jump up without Embiid, unsurprisingly. 22-11. Expect that to drop off next game. While J.J. Redick absolutely on fire to begin this game. 21 points in the first half. Ended with just 27. But 7 triples, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. That is uh, it's a surprise. A surprise, to be sure, but a welcome one. You you look at him as a a back-end points and threes streamer, and this sort of game is just a real bonus. Uh, Amir Johnson was the surprise starter for Embiid. I thought it was going to be Boban, and they'd give him pretty decent minutes, but... Yeah, I questioned it at the time, giving Boban all of those backup minutes and playing him as much as he did. He just was always going to struggle. It appears that Brett Brown has realized that now. And we had Boban play 11 minutes, Jonah Bolden played 12 minutes, and Amir Johnson played 17 minutes, feeling in for Joel Embiid. It will be interesting to see if Brown does go with uh, Boban as that primary backup center moving forward. But he struggled in this one quite a bit well, Prison Mike, as I mentioned, just a disaster. One rebound in his 15 minutes. He'd been getting 25 minutes a night as that backup uh, big man wing type of a player. Uh, It wasn't good here. Kemba Walker has really killed the Sixers in the past. He got into really early foul trouble, so only 28 minutes. Still had 21-4-4, but not the best night. While Jeremy Lamb is killing it in a bench roll. 26 points in 29 minutes with 11 rebounds. His his value, when he first was benched, he played like, 20 minutes, 19 minutes. You go, well, what's going on here? But then they realize that Miles Bridges isn't that good, and they've pushed Lamb back up. As for Bridges, probably one of his better games. 29 minutes, 8 and 10 with two steals. The extra playing time with the injury to Kid Gilchrist, but only a very, very deep league guy. While Frank the Tank had 14 points and Batum had just the 9 in his 27 minutes. Marvin Williams, terrible again. A pretty clear 12-team league drop for me. Very, very low upside guy. While Bismack Biombo started in place of Cody Zeller, and we know the results there. They were terrible because Biombo is not good. The next game, the Houston Rockets, they smacked the Atlanta Hawks 121-105. Jimmy Harden had 31-8-10 and and Chris Paul 13 with 11 assists and three steals. But I guess the name that I'm getting asked a lot about here is Big Daniel House. 33 minutes for Housey, 19 points with six triples, three rebounds, and two assists. And he's going to get another big opportunity on Wednesday with Eric Gordon out. He's uh, supplanting um, Gerald Green. He's probably playing better than Austin. Definitely playing better than Austin Rivers and Iman Shumpert. So a decent role is there for him. I just don't know that I fully buy this shooting. Now, since he's come back, he's been great. 35 minutes, 18 points, four triples. 28 minutes, 14 and seven with two threes. And then today's game, 19 points with six triples. But he has hit 50, 67 and 55% of his threes in those games. 55, 83 and 50% of uh, of his field goals in total. One steal and zero blocks in those games. And it's, so it's coming on the back of very unsustainable shooting. Because you look at those and you go, well, that's that's enough to be a top 100 guy. Because in those games, he's a top 100 player. Averaging 17 with four triples. It's on 59% shooting and 55 from three. And it's going to come down. And will he play 32 minutes a night? Probably not. But you can take a flyer on him for Wednesday because the, the ability for him is there. They like him. He's going to play over Green and Chumpet and Rivers. And maybe he plays 26, 27 a night moving forward. He won't shoot this well. He can be a stream type option. He's more of a 14 team, 16 team guy with value on this uh, Wednesday with Eric Gordon out. But just be aware that there is a lot of unsustainability on what Danny House is doing at the moment. The next game we look at the... Uh, absolutely checked out. Los Angeles Lakers lost to the Bucks, 101, 115. Rajon Rondo, just minutes through the roof, 39 of them, 13, 6, and 10 with two steals. We've got to keep holding Rondo. You know, I don't think he's all that good of an encore player, but the production's there, the minutes are there. Fine. Didn't shoot well, 6 of 16, while Alex Caruso, big sexy, 4 points in 22 minutes for Caruso with 2 assists and 2 steals. Missed all 6 of his shots. I talked about him the other day, how the defensive numbers and the shooting was probably going to drop. Well, it dropped in a hard way. Still got the 2 steals, and he has some uses as an assists and steals type of a streamer, more for 14-teamers. Kyle Kuzma, the future MVP, has been absolutely shitful. 17 points on 17 shots. He's not a drop. Uh, I worry about his long-term future. I don't I don't know where he gets better or what, what he becomes as a better fantasy guy. I've said this for the two years he's been in the NBA. I, I do worry about his overall upside and we're really seeing that now. While the worst trade of the last two years, Mike Muscala for Ivica Zubac. Muscala at least started today for LeBron James and played 11 minutes and had two points. As for LeBron, I worry that we may not see LeBron again this season. I don't know that for sure. Uh, I just think that the fact that he sat out today with a sore groin, he was clearly not right when coming back from the groin. It cost him a lot of time. It was a significant tear is what I understand of, of that groin issue that cost him all that time. He came back. He wasn't quite right. The Lakers have got nothing to play for. I would not be stunned if we see another week's absence, or that's the end of LeBron for this season. Yeah, just missing the last two and a half weeks to three weeks of the season. I think that's a real possibility here for LeBronald. Yeah, bumping the value of Javelle McGee, who played 32 minutes, KCP, who played 34. Uh, and uh, then, yeah, you throw these other blokes in there who aren't going to be big impact guys. But McGee was interesting 11 boards and two blocks. That's enough to at least give him uh, utility in 12 team formats. For the Bucs, there was no Yani, of course, no Malcolm Brogdon. So Chris Middleton had 30 and 10 with five assists and four triples. Bledsoe can't hit his free throws anymore, but 14, eight and seven with four steals are nice counting numbers. Well, Nick Miritich. Now, it wasn't that Miritich got big minutes because Yarny was out because he played exactly the same minutes as he did against the Sixers. But instead, he turned in 23 points instead of two points. Three triples, six rebounds. As long as Yani and Ersan Ilyasova are out, who both missed today's games, Miritic can be that stream guy. But we've seen the struggles he's had in fitting in, in providing consistent enough production on this Bucks team that I wouldn't label him a must roster when everyone's back. Paddy Connaughton stepped it up, 36 minutes, 13, 8, and 4. That's really good. If you could rely upon that, you'd add him. You can't, because again, no Ursan and no Yarni allowed those extra minutes and shots to go to Paddy, while well, DJ Wilson got extra minutes as well, 31 minutes, 3 and 5, couldn't shoot, really just a deep lead guy, while well, Tone's now, he's a disaster, only 15 minutes with no Sterling Brown, no de Antetokounmpo, no Ersan Eliasova, no Malcolm Brogdon, Budenholz has woke to the situation that Tony Snell is not good, and we're seeing that play out, and I wouldn't be stunned when Sterlo returns if uh, Snell is out of the rotation, even with Brogdon done, oh, I wouldn't be shocked at that, and you know not to have him in any sort of fantasy format. The Golden State Warriors beat the Wolves on the road, Steph really getting it together at the right time, 36 with five assists and eight triples. Durant was uh, um underwhelming, 17-2 uh, and 9 while Clay had 28 with four triples and four assists. Draymond also did his thing, five points. But 10 boards, 9 assists, 1 steal, and 4 blocks for Draymond Green. No boogie cousin, so Andy Bogut started again. I get, it, I don't get it. No idea. Jordan Bell out of the rotation pretty much entirely. He played a minute and 36 seconds. Bogut is just a very, very deep league guy. Yuna Sherepko, again, who cur at the start of the day. You can call me Coach Steve. Um, said that he was the odd man out of the rotation. Well, odd man out, played 18 minutes and scored 18 points. He took Jordan Bell's minutes. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there, but there's no real utility in him or McKinney or Cook or Looney or Bell. They're all just going to be sort of ups and downs. For the Wolves, Carl anthony Towns, 26-21. and 21. I'll say it again. It's so refreshing to not see him stand in the corner while Wiggins and Teague and Rose take all the shots in the world as uh, Tom Thibodeau decides we don't want big men to be or our best player to touch the ball. Wiggins actually had a pretty good game, to be fair to him. 20 points. Took 19 shots. True Wiggins style. But 8 eight rebounds and six assists for Wigo, While Tyus Jones, just horrible shooting, 10 points, but seven assists worked out uh, pretty nicely. And I think that Teague will, will miss a little bit more time here. So Jones has that back end value. Uh, Bates Diop has really dropped off with Wiggins back. He missed all five of his shots in this one. The next game we look at is the Brooklyn Nets, an unbelievable comeback by the Nets to beat the Kings 123-121. They outscored them by 30 points in the fourth quarter on the back of D'Angelo Russell, who played 38 minutes and had 44 points, six triples, four rebounds, 12 assists and four steals on 52% shooting. Unbelievable to see what he has been doing this season. A guy that I've really liked for a couple of seasons from a fantasy point of view. I was frustrated with the way that Kenny Atkinson handled him in the past. Not this year. The 41st ranked player over the course of the season in only 30 minutes. Still could be due another three or four minutes. He'd be a top 20 guy almost. 21.7 assists, 1.2 steals, and three triples. I still worry about some of his uh, ability moving forward. Can he sustain or can he get his free throw rate up? Because it's really low. The free throw actually conversion percentage is well down at the moment too. But putting up some good numbers and should be able to maintain consistent at least top 50 numbers for the next four or five seasons, I would guess. Really, really strong stuff. The next, the next schedule is absolutely brutal. They have the Lakers. At the, well, that's fine. They can win that one. But they have the Blazers and the Sixers on the road. And then they play, I think, the Celtics, the Bucks, the Raptors, all in a row. So they needed this win. They were in real danger of dropping out of the playoffs. And this is huge from Russell to lead them to this victory. Also, out of nowhere, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson played the last 17 minutes of this game. Had 14-5 and five with three assists, two steals, and a block. And this bloke hasn't played in ages. Out of the rotation because he's been dreadful this season. I don't think this is anything to look at in terms of you know do we add him in 12s or 14s or 16s, but it was good to see him produce a, a big game after a, a bad season. Smoke and Joe Harris struggled 9 points in his 20 minutes. Levert, he is a drop, as I mentioned earlier, 6 points in 24, while Rowdy Rodion's Kuroks, 6 points on 2 of 9 shooting, which is bad, but 2 steals and 2 blocks. This guy's going to be a top 100 player, I think, next year. Definitely the year after would be my guess. For the Kings, you cannot leave Marvin Bagley on the waiver wire. 29 minutes, 28.7 rebounds. He played over Willie Cauley-Stein as he should. Stein, Cauley-Stein, only played 19 minutes because he's not that good. We saw a lot of the beer leads to Bagley front court, which is what Jaeger should be going for. But this was a massively disappointing loss for the Kings, who are absolutely out of the playoffs now. Uh, Bagley should be rostered in all leagues. Darren Fox had 27 and 9, while the pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnes Barnesy. 17-7 17-7 and seven with three triples, solid enough to remain rostered. Bogdan Bogdanovich only 18 minutes. I think we have to move on from him in 12-team leagues. A really poor run from him, while Budrick Heald couldn't hit anything. Added three steals and a block, which is nice, but only eight points. I think we give him a pass after some really strong performances of late. The next game we look at, the Indiana Pacers losing to the Clippers on the road. Uh, no Darren Collison, as I mentioned. Miles Turner took advantage of playing the Clippers as centers always do. 11 and 5 with a steal and five blocks. Demontis Sabonis took advantage of playing the Clippers as centers always do. 13 and 16 with six assists. Back on track. Thad Young, offensively not much there, but nice full peripheral line. 9, 7, and 3 with a triple one. While Tyreek had 19, 8, and 7. No other peripherals. His best game in a long time. And as I said, Collison's likely going to be out for Thursday's game. So that does give Thad at least, uh you know, Thad, uh, Tyreek, at least an opportunity to have another game, uh another game with value, but it's uncertain. And he's not a, not a 12 team ad by any stretch of the imagination at, at, at this point. Um, but good to see him back on track. Corey Joseph is the one that started. He didn't do all that much. Uh, he had four assists and four steals, but nothing else. Uh, and the 20 minutes and those steal numbers are pretty fluky for the Clippers. I love what Shea is doing. 17-3-3 three three for Shea Gildas-Alexander. Finally, Doc Rivers is giving him the extra minutes he should have been getting all season. He's, uh, he's a 12-team stream type of a guy. He's not a must-roster guy, but he's he's yeah, close enough to it that you have to take that flyer, look at him. The Rooster, another 24 points. The table, 20 and 12, a big game from Montrezl Harrell. Zubat's had 12 and 9, yeah, solid enough as a 14-teamer. While Lou Williams struggled a bit here, while Landry Schammett, he is not a 12-team league guy. He's not a 14-team league guy. He's streamable for threes because he hit two more of them. He just doesn't do anything else, uh, and that's where we're at. You know, If you're looking between, say, Shamit and KCP, they're, they're probably equivalent at this point with KCP, Outperforming what Landry Shamet is doing at this stage of the uh, of the season. Let's move on now to talk some uh, some DFS by uh, starting off by looking at the perfect lineups over on DraftKings: Jimmy Harden, J.J. Redick, Tyreek Evans, Toby Harris, Brooke Lopez, D'Angelo Russell, Jeremy Lamb, and Kentavious Caldwell Pope, and that was 410 points and uh, cost forty nine thousand six hundred dollars. On Fanjul, we've got Ben Simmons, Steph Curry, Jeremy Lamb, D'Angelo Russell, JJ Reddick, Tyreek Evans, Toby Harris, ronde Hollis Jefferson, and Brookie Lopez for a total of three ninety seven point two, and that cost $60,000. All right, let's look over DFS for Wednesday's games. We've got a nine game slate across the NBA for Wednesday. We're going to be focusing mainly on DraftKings pricing today. The first game we look at is the Milwaukee Bucks traveling to take on the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is a back-to-back for the Bucks. They beat the Lakers on uh, Tuesday. And there are some definite injury issues here for Milwaukee. Yanni Kumpo didn't play on Tuesday. We don't know his status at this point for Wednesday. Ursan Ilyasova was a late scratch on Tuesday. So that enabled quite a few guys to get big bumps in minutes for that Milwaukee team. So there's quite a few things we do have to pay some attention to here. Uh, Again, closing in on lock time uh, before we find out information about how that all uh, looks for this squad and for this roster. At point guard, I do really like Eric Bledsoe, though, at 6,500. Uh, that's a strong price for Bled been um, putting up some pretty okay numbers. The free throw shooting hasn't been great for him, but I still think at that salary, he is absolutely worth looking at. While on the uh, Cavs side of things, the Padawan, Colin Sexton, has been uh, consistently giving us 30 a night. He is up to 5,800, which is obviously a little bit higher than we're used to with him but with how consistently good he has been of late, he's got some cash value with a a level of upside, not my strongest play of the day. Brandon Knight with Matty Dellavedova out, putting up some strong numbers. Dalli is out again. And the other the Cavs guys, the big men, they're all likely, or not likely, they're all listed questionable. Larry Nance, Kevin Love, and Tristan Thompson. But Vadova has been ruled out in advance. So there's some question marks in that Cavs front court, but the back court, we're going to see some extra minutes for Brando. At 3,600 for Naita, I do think that there is some use or some value in him. Chrissy Middleton at 6,700 irrespective of Giannis being in or out. I like that for Middleton. If Giannis is out, we love that for Middleton. And while Paddy Connaughton at 3,600 played fairly well against the Lakers, he got that extra opportunity with both Giannis and Ursan being out, and he would become at 3,600, I think a relatively strong cash uh, play as a floor option. Stauskas, Soskastillo, minimum salary, 24 points in 24 minutes last game. He's getting extra run with Dalava out. He is in maybe a tournament guy, but even not one I'm really super interested in. While Tone Snell, he started with, uh, with Yanni out and did absolutely nothing. He is one of the worst fantasy players in the entire NBA. At small for Chetty Osmond's at 5,700 uh putting up some uh, some pretty good numbers with or without Kevin Love which has always been his issue in the past. I, I like him here in this one while Yani's at 11,400. I sincerely doubt that Untedicompo plays in this game against the Cavs, but if he does at an $11,400 salary, I think he is uh he's he's worth a look no doubt. For the big man, Kevin Love, I wouldn't want to use him uh, necessarily in anything other than a tournament. Miratich at four thousand nine hundred had a really big game on Tuesday. Uh the game before that was piss poor, and the minutes were the same. So it's not like he just you really benefited from this massively increased role. Yes, some extra touches with Yanni out, and if Yani is out again at four thousand nine hundred, Nick does become a, a pretty good tournament guy. Larry Nance is at forty nine, I'm not really getting into him. Zizic. Uh, Tristan Thompson, DJ Wilson, all these guys' value is going to be heavily dependent on the statuses of, of a lot of these other players. Say if Ersan's out, then DJ Wilson, who played over 30 minutes on Tuesday at three thousand one hundred in the mix. Brook Lopez um, putting up some uh, really good numbers, 5,400, no reason that I wouldn't want to use him. Really, really like Brook Lopez here, and he uh, absolutely dominated the Lakers. The, on, uh, Offangel, let's have a look at it. Mirotic at 5,000. Good value there with him. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, I like. Osman at 66. Maybe, maybe a little bit too high. I think the 13,000 for Yanni is too high. And 6,400 for Lopez. On a back to back, it just gives me a, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of reason for pause with, uh, with that salary. But it's not, not a terrible one. And of course, we just have to see how everything shakes out in that front court, uh, mix there in Cleveland with all those three guys listed as questionable at the moment. Let's go to the next game. We're looking at the Boston Celtics at the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers on a back-to-back narrowly escaped uh, Tuesday with a victory over the Hornets. The Sixers are three-point favorites. The total is 226. Embiid sat out on Tuesday. He will be back on Wednesday while Al Horford is listed as probable. And Gordon Haywood is not going to play due to his concussion. For the point guards, Marcus Smart's at 4,600. Um, yeah, relatively consistent with Haywood out. I think it helps him a little bit. Not the best option out there, but it's at least something. While I do really like the 9,100 for Kyrie Irving, who's been averaging 57 points over his last five games. He looks really good. Ben Simmons at 8,100. Well, he crushed it without him beat, unsurprisingly. But when Joel is there, it does put a limit on Simmons, and I think that makes him a fade guy. Shooting guards, J.J. Reddick had 56 points on Tuesday. Some of that's a factor of Embiid being out, a lot of assists, a lot of extra touches, a lot of extra shots. I think at 5,000, he's more of a tournament guy. Well, Jalen Brown was very disappointing last time out for Boston. Only 16 points, only 20 minutes, at 4,500, you would expect him to have value with Hayward out, but last time gives me a little bit of nervousness regarding his value, so I'm not super involved. While general soreness Jimmy Butler averaging over 40 in his last five, 7,300 is a pretty good price. I'd feel better about using him than, say, uh, Tobias Harris, who is who uh, seems to be more impacted by Embiid than, uh, than Butler does. Marcus Morris got the big bulk of the minutes uh last game with Hayward out he's at 5400 he's an interesting enough gpp guy jason tatum i don't really see much value in him he's struggling although an excellent record against the sixers averaging 44 the last 3 times against philadelphia while prison mike was a disaster on uh, on tuesday just 1 point in 15 minutes and he fouled out toby harris at 71 the salary is good but realistically just a gpp guy i believe for the big men i love al horford he has sub uh, 6,000, 5900 does well against Embiid generally. That's a very, very cheap price for Al. So I'm in on that. While Embiid, on the other hand, at $10,000, you got to love that salary. Coming back, should be putting up you know, 50 plus here. No reason that he's not an option as well. Boban, Bainsey, Vanilla Tice, no love for any of those guys. On Fangio, Marcus Morris, again, that GPP guy. I love Horford at 67. Marcus Smart, I think, comes in pretty strongly at 5,200 on Fangio. Same with Jalen at 48, but I'll probably just defer Jalen into the tournaments more than the cash lineups. Uh, Butler at 81, less impressive. The 72 for Tobias Harris, I'd rather have Toby on Fangio than I would General sauness Next up, we've got the New Orleans Pelicans and the Orlando Magic, only one of these teams. Uh, want to win, and that is the Magic. They are six and a half point favorites. The total is 225 in this matchup. Injury-wise, uh, injury, injury wise, uh, we're, we're pretty good. Anthony Davis on track to play at this point. Isaiah Briscoe obviously out for the Orlando Magic. Drew Holiday also sidelined, and one Moore. They're both out. At point guard, Mick Carter-Williams is a minimum salary guy who should be absorbing all of those backup minutes, but I don't really see him as being an option. While well, Frankie Jackson at 4,600, is going to start again for Drew. He's going to play mid-30s in minutes. He's going to score. He's going to do very little else, but he's going to score. And at 4,600, I think he has cash appeal. Well, DJ Augustin, 5, uh, 5,300. Minutes are up. Production's up. Love him at 5,300. I think there is a lot of value in him. Mr. March triple-double, Lord Alfred Payton, He his lowest score in his last five games has been 51. That is astonishing. He's averaging 57 points over those five games, but he's all the way up to $8,000. And if you think the triple-double streak's going to continue, and why wouldn't you? It's still March. Uh, then maybe there's something there, but I, I think that this is veering into fade territory for Payton. Uh, Evan Fournier is at 52. I don't really see much outside of a tournament play. Same as Terry Ross at 5300. Well, Wazwundo went big last game, had 30 points, but I don't really trust that. Kendrick Williams at 41. He was also strong last time out for the Pelicans but it's not one that we can really feel uh, super confident about. And upside's limited. While Aaron Gordon at 72. I like Gordon as a good cash play with also 50 point upside. Amazingly though, Gordon's highest score this season is just 50 points. So it's not like he's got sky high ceiling. Darius Miller's not really working for me. For the big man, check Diallo 3,800. I love that salary. He's been a 20 point guy most nights. So that gives him value in itself. And then if he does get some extra production, then it, it really helps. While Nikola Vucevic, 9,500. The Pelicans... Uh, centers matchup have been excellent for op- uh, opposing, uh, opposing, opposing teams of late. So I do like Vuch you know, significantly here with you know, the 60-point value potentially coming his way. Julius Randle at 8300 same. He's a 50-point type of guy. I love his cash value. While Tone Davis is at $7,000. I just feel there's really limited upside in Tone with how the minutes are shaking out. He could be a cash guy, but I don't think that he is necessarily the best option to use on this uh pretty crowded nine-game slate. On Fangio, Vuce at 10.5, I like Diallo at 45, five. probably more for tournaments. Uh, Johnny Isaac, yeah, I think too high. Aaron Gordon, I, I like on Fangio as well. And Julius Randle's up to 9,000, but I don't think that price precludes using him. While Alfred Payton at 9,500, I, I just cannot get on board that. That just seems ludicrously too high and it is going to burn you at some point. I feel pretty confident about saying that. The next game, the Utah Jazz and the New York Knicks. The Jazz are 12-point favorites. The total is 212. Literally nobody knows what Fizdale is going to do on a daily basis. Noah Vonley is out, so expect more minutes for Mario Hazonia. And maybe he's going to send a message to his starters again. Maybe he isn't. But I would expect Damo Dots and DeAndre Jordan to all see their minutes jump up. And guys like Alonzo Trier to see their minutes drop down. But again, it's Fizdale. Anything can happen. Dennis Smith has also been ruled out. So Emmanuel Moudier is a point guard. 4,600. Shitful last game. Absolutely shitful. But prior to that, he was putting up good numbers. So I'm happy to get back on and probably get my uh, balls burnt by some terrible performances. But I'm, I'm willing to go there again. Ravishing Rick Rubio is at 4900 His recent performances have made that number seem like it makes sense. And again, a, a positive matchup against the Knicks. I'd be okay with using Rubio, especially for cash. While Donovan Mitchell, the Don. His Don is good. 7,800 for the Don. Eh, I don't like that production from him as much when he's playing alongside Rubio. Uh, probably more of a tournament guy, but the matchup is very, very enticing. Alonso Tria 4,200. He had 32 points last game, but that was one of those weird minute spike games that Fizdar loves throwing at us. While Frankie Nilaquino is questionable, but he's not going to put up any sort of numbers regardless of if he plays or not. Damo Dotson's at 5,200 had been a measure of consistency until he got fizzed. Last game, I think I'd be happy to go back on him even though, again, I'm just setting myself up for disappointment. While Jingle and Joe's at 5,700, I think limited tournament appeal, but a solid enough cash floor. Mario Hazonia, it's a me, is at 3,700. He should play big minutes. He should start again. And that makes him a cash option. But again, saying cash and Knicks in the same ballpark, in the same five-minute time frame of a show, is a scary proposition. Jay Crowder's at 4,800. He got an elevated role last game with Derek Favors out. Favors will be back in this game most likely. So that puts a little bit of a kibosh on the Crowder pump up. And then for the, oh, actually the Fort Kevin Knox at 4,600. He is a player who is priced at 4,600. For the big men, DeAndre Jordan, 5,700. 20 minute DeAndre Jordan, 30 minute DeAndre Jordan. God knows which one we're going to get. I think we probably get closer to 30 minute and that makes him at 5,700 a good play, but. The trust or reliability you have in Fisdale, you know that it's limited. While Mitchell Robinson's all the way down to 4,500, making him a great multi-GPP lineup guy who can very easily go for 40. And at 4,500, that would work pretty nicely. Uh, Gobert is at 8,200, should annihilate this next team with a, a consistent 40-point floor. So I really like him for cash. While Favors at 58, feels probably a little bit too elevated in uh, in my opinion. On Fangio, you got Manny Moody at 5,000 and Damo Dotson at 57, some ones to get back on the wagon with. And then you got Jordan and Robinson, both interesting tournament guys. And Jordan leaning a little bit more cash. Hazonia at 47. It's pushing it a little bit too high, Fangel. I think you need to just calm down somewhat on that, uh, on that salary. Bump $900 up. And that might lead me to at least, uh, not have him as a, as a lockish type of guy. Go Bears at 98, probably also a little bit too high. And Mitchell at 88. Let's leave him for the tournaments. The next game up, the Rockets and the Grizzlies. The Rockets are on a back-to-back here in this game. Um... Uh, the Rockets are four-point favorites. The total is 216. Eric Gordon is out of this one uh, due to rest. So we're going to see an extra opportunity again for Big Danny House to put up some numbers. Iman Shumpet sat out Tuesday. He'll likely return to the rotation. And for Memphis, uh, Triple J's out, Kyle Anderson's out, and Avery Bradley is listed as questionable. So it could be a, a real disaster-type lineup for the Grizzlies as for Braddles. He is at 4900 and I really like that salary if he plays. You really, really like it if he's in. If not, of course I don't. Chris Paul's at 6,900. Giggity. I think we have a chance of Paul's minutes being reduced here. So only for tournaments, it is a back-to-back. While if Avery's out, DeLon Wright's at 4,800 and I'd feel pretty good about using him. Michael Conley, 7,900. He has just been annihilating teams, averaging 49 over his last five at a sub $8,000 price. I- I'd be no problem with going with that. Well, Jimmy Harden's at eleven three. I, I worry about the wrist I worry about a surprise rest. I worry about a reduced minutes load here for Harden. That that all puts him into just that tournament area. Austin Rivers, that's going to be a no from me. The shooting guards, Justin Holiday, <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, Tyler Dorsey, Iman Shumpert, no interest in any of those guys. But at small forward, the guy we're looking at here is Big Danny House. 3,900. He's shooting the ball crazily, but I'm more impressed with the minutes. And this should be an opportunity for him to start with Eric Gordon now, averaging 26 over the last three since returning to this uh, Rockets lineup. I'm not massively into House, but at sub 4,000, I I can't avoid him, really. That That's really, really good. 3,300 for Chandler Parsons, who out of nowhere had 34 points last game. I would consider it just because of what he did last game, but I wouldn't be relying upon it in no way. PJ Tucker, uh, not interested there. While Bruno Caboclo started last game, played seven minutes, because why not? For the big men, Ivan Rab, 3,600. He should be getting more minutes because staff's the coach, so he won't. Uh, Joachim Noah at 5,100. He's been consistently eclipsing that number, so I don't hate him as an option. Uh, he's uh, he's definitely worth looking at. While well, Jonas Valanciunas 6600, um, I think that's maybe a little bit too high with the element of risk baked in there. I'd leave him out of it. While well, Clint Capella 7600, it was a bit slow going from Capella after he returned from his injury, but lately he's churning out 40 point night after 40 point night, and yeah, another 40 point night could be coming. The problem is there's a limited um, limited margin for error with Capella, and there are better options out there on the board. Kenny Farid is not one of those. On to Fangel. yeah, Danny House, the 3,900, we really like that. Rab's got at least some GPP upside. Uh, D-Lon at 52, if Avery Bradley is out, works pretty nicely for me as well. Capella at 82, a more, a more impressive Fangio situation for him rather than uh, DraftKings. I think JV's too high. Harden at 12 probably a little bit too elevated, and 9,000 for Mike Conley, I don't feel super confident about that, especially against a Rockets team who's been really, really good at defending opposition point guards for uh, for most of this season. Next up, we look at the Washington Wizards and the Chicago Bulls. The Wizards are two-point favorites here. The Bulls, oh, the total, sorry, is 233. Uh, Bobby Portis, revenge game. Jabari Parker, revenge game back in Chicago. Parker's been playing really, really well lately. Portis has been doing the opposite of that. The Bulls are also going to be without Otto Porter, as I suggested the other day, that that rotator cuff will keep him out multiple games. And now Zach Levine has appeared on the injury report with a thigh contusion. If he is out, that means way more minutes for Big Shaq Harrison. Big Shaq! And big Ryan Archer Jackano as well. We'll get some extra run there. Maybe Seldo or Timotei Luawu Cabarro are going to be pushed into the mid 20s in playing time if both Porter. And Levine happened to sit at point guard. Big Shaq's at 3,200. If he gets 20 points, he's made value. And I think that he is a very, very strong play. He should be pretty chalky as well, but I, I like him. Saturansky down at 5,600. That's a, that's a low price for Tomas. The last couple of games haven't quite been there, but against this Bulls team, he can really go off. While Chris Dunn's all the way down at 5,400. And especially if Levine is out, I think Dunn breaks that number and breaks it pretty comfortably. Levine's at 78, which we would really, really like if we knew he was going to play, while Archer at 3,300. Archer Jackano is more just a tournament guy who occasionally has the big game. It just doesn't happen often enough. Brad Beal was bad last game, under 20 points, but prior to that, he was getting 50 every game, and at 9,400, I'd be happy to go back to him. Troy Brown got some extra minutes, but he's not really an option. Saldo, yeah, probably not as well. Ariza's down at 4,600, and that's the only reason that I'm that i looking at him as an option is that salary, more just for tournaments. Jabari's at 6,000. He's giving us 30 points every night at the moment. It feels like the bubble will burst at some stage, but I think at 6,000, he is in play as an option here uh, for cash and for tournaments. The big man, Lowry's down at 7,100. He sort of broke back out of a slump last game, but still only had 35 points. So I do like it because the matchup is so good against Jabari and Jeff Green and Bobby Portis. That's a really good matchup for opposition power forward slash centers. Um, but I'm not you know, locking him into every lineup. While Punch Bob himself at five thousand seven hundred had thirty six the last time these two teams met. He's not playing those many minutes any those level of minutes anymore. But of course he is a GPP guy. While Robin Lopez at six thousand three hundred that seems crazy. The numbers have been there consistently. Again, you just worry about a, a bubble being burst. You don't feel confident that Robin Lopez is going to do this every single night, even though he has been. So I I'd, I'd tread a little bit carefully with big Rob Lopez in this one. On to Fangio. Big Shaq looks great. Uh, Beal, Lowry, Dunn, Jabari—some good value in a lot of those guys. Uh, Ariza is a 5,700 GPP guy, and Punch Bob is a 56 GPP guy. Also look pretty, uh, pretty tasty. I think the 6,400 for Robin Lopez is a much better Fangio bet than it is on DraftKings. Next game up, the Miami Heat and the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs are six and a half point, for six point favorites, sorry. The total is 209. Hassan Whiteside barely saw the court last game. We don't know what his status is going to be here. We do know that Justice Winslow is out. So that boosts up the value for guys like Derek Jones Jr. and Goran Dragic. And it also puts Jimmy Johnson back into the mix after a couple of strong games from him. At point guard, Dwayne Wade's at 4,800. I love what Wade's been doing. 25 a night comfortably. Love him to do it again here. While Forbsy, not interested. Goran Dragic, the Iron Shoulder, am interested in him. Love what he's been doing with Winslow out. And at 5,300, that's a strong, strong spot for him. While Derek White's at 55. I would prioritize the Iron Shoulder, Goran Dragic, over Derek White. But White at that price is still uh, relatively okay. Shooting guard, you got Ballonelli. No. DeRozan, 77. Yes, love that floor for DeMar. Really putting up consistent numbers. Well, Joshie Richardson, if the shot falls, he's going to smash value because he's on about four out of about his last 100 shots, I think, that he's hit. But he's getting assists. He's getting rebounds. There's some steals coming in. And last game, for example, 29 points in 40 minutes, but hit about three shots. So if the shots go in then the value is going to be there. So it makes him a really interesting GPP guy and recency bias will be like, can't use Richard he burnt me, burnt me. Um, so his ownership percentage or his roster percentage will be down and that should give you a GPP edge. Now he could shit the bed because his shooting has been off for a long time, but if it just hits, then you go to a 45, 50 point type of a guy at 5,700 and that obviously works in your favor. Small forwards, you're looking at uh, Derek Jones Jr., 3400, only a GPP guy, and it's only going to come on those nights where he has those weird, really uh, yeah, huge steal and block type performances. Rudy Gay at 52, love what he's doing for cash. Tournaments, probably not as much. While uh, at the center spot, you've got Bam Bam bio. Bam! 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 He was relatively disappointing last game and still had 27 points. That makes him a strong cash option, while Jakob Heard, or I'd spend that six hundred dollars extra to get Bam over Jakob, who's at forty five hundred. He's not a terrible option, but I don't like him for cash and maybe a bit limited for tournaments. While Aldridge down at seven thousand nine hundred, no reason to get you know, no reason to get overly invested in him, but also no reason to completely avoid Lamarcus. He's an okay play. While Kalilinik at fifty four hundred, sort of back on track the last couple of games, and with the absence of Winslow, it's helping his playing time. So I think that Cali at fifty four is, is at least a tournament guy. Well, James Johnson came out of nowhere for. 31 points last game with Winslow out and Scooter Magruder out again at 3,300. That is an appealing GPP guy, but I I wouldn't trust it as a a lock to occur. Um, And I'd look at it more for your multi-tournament lineup situations. On Fangio, Pirtle at 51 has a bit of appeal there. Uh, Dragic at 55 I like quite a bit. I think Wade is maybe a little bit overpriced. Uh, DeRozan at 89 is pushing a little bit too high, but I don't completely dislike it. Uh, Whiteside, we're not going to really bother too much with him. And Olenek at 54, I think comes in pretty strong on Fangio. Next up, the Toronto Raptors and the Oklahoma City Thunder. No spread or total at this point. Russell Westbrook is back, but Kyle Lowry, we don't know his status at this point. The fun guy, Kawhi Leonard, I'm a phone guy. (laughs) He missed last game due to rest. He should be back. I said we don't know Lowry's status. His status is questionable, meaning he's a 50-50 chance of playing with that ankle injury. If he is out, then Freddie Van Vliet gets that big bump there for the uh, Thunder. Last game, Nerland's Noel was a late scratch. We saw minutes for Paddy Patterson, Deontay Burton, uh, Jeremy Grant got extra bumps. So they're the guys you'd be looking at in that scenario. I like uh, Westbrook here a lot, Ten thousand three hundred fifty point feels like a, not a guarantee, but pretty bloody close. While Freddles Van Vliet, 4,700. That's a big price rise. If Lowry's out, I'm all about Van Vliet here. As for Kyle himself, 7,400. Really just a a GPP guy with the uncertainty. Uh, Schroeder at 53 would be a a pretty good fade, I believe. At shooting guard, Dan Green, that's going to be a no from me. Terry Ferguson, the same. And then at small forward, Kawhi Leonard is all the way down at 8,400. I would be all the way in on using him. I love that salary for Kawhi. While Paulie George down at 9,800. Had 57 last game without Russ, but he puts up numbers with or without Westbrook, 50 pointers pretty consistently. Um, if there's going to be a game, I fade him. It's probably this one against the Raptors. But he's still a, a pretty clear option in all formats for the big men. You've got uh, Jeremy Grant at 4,800. If uh, Nerlens is out, I- I'd at least look at him as a cash option. And then we've got uh, Serge Barker returning for the Raptors after his three-game suspension. So that makes both he and Marcus Ole very risky plays. Uh, Stephen Adams is at five thousand six hundred. I like the price for Adams. His recent production has been pretty good, and it's been right in that ballpark, if not over. I still don't think he's the best center option on that board, but he's a good you know, low to mid-price guy that you can consider. That's not not an overpay for Adams at all. On Fangio, Kawhi and Russell, I really like there. Jeremy Grant at 56. He's probably pushing a bit too far, but it's not a complete dislike for Cash. Well, Lowry at 77, I think he's a strong GPP option uh, on Fangio if you're creating multiple lineups. The matchup suits him, and I think his roster percentage will be pretty low if he does end up uh, playing, or if we don't hear if he's playing until uh, lineup lock. The last game of the night is the Dallas Mavericks and the Portland Trailblazers. The Blazers are 10-point favorites, and the total is 217.5. We're expecting another big Damo Lillard night with uh, CJ McCollum out. Uh, Maxi Kleber is questionable for the Mavs with a wrist issue. Uh, Lillard's at 8,800. That is an absolute smash play to me. Love that for him. While Seth Curry at 34, like that for tournaments quite a bit. He saw an increased role with CJ McCollum out. And then Doncic is at 8,900. He's averaging 51 points over the last five. Pretty hard to to not get interested there. The burner, Jalen Brunson's up to 6,000. I think that wipes away a lot of his value. And in a somewhat negative matchup, I'd probably end up fading him. Rocket Rodney Hood is always, always, always just a GPP guy. He's so inconsistent and did not take advantage of McCollum's absence last game at all. Well, Timmy Hardaway's back in the mix. 30-point average over the last three. 5,200. He's getting some extra minutes. If Kleber's out, I think that helps Hardaway a little bit more as well. Probably still more tournaments, but he's at least getting back into the discussion. Uh, the chief elf, Farouk Aminu, is always just a tournament guy. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. And Mo Harkless at 44 really stepped it up last game. I'm not really putting a huge amount of trust in him. Same with Jake Lehman, who's been very, very poor. He has those weird scoring nights where he goes 8 of 10 for 22 points at 3,300. And with the absence of CJ and a likely starting opportunity for Layman, he's in your tournament pool, but I wouldn't be getting too excited about it. And then for the big men, you've got to love Nurk at 7,100. This should be a close to a 40-pointer. Dwight Powell at 6,300. He should be giving you 32 or 33, although I think his ceiling is relatively limited, power, So you might find better center options around on DraftKings. Over on Fangio, uh, Lillard's at 10-7. I'm still happy to go with that. Uh, Dwighty Powell's at 69. Giggity! Probably pushing a little bit too high there for Paolo. Well, 8,700 for Nurkic is also on the high side and, and not one that I'm super interested in. I like Seth Curry at 3,700. And the burner, Jalen Brunson, is a better jewel play than he is over on DraftKings. Let's have a look at some studs and value plays. On DraftKings, I'm going for Vucevic as a stud, and the value is Big Shaq Harrison. On FanDuel. the stud is Vucevic, and the value is Big Shaq Harrison. On Yahoo, the stud is Damian Lillard, and the value is Big Shaq Harrison. And on DraftStars, the uh, value play is Vucevic, and the stud is Big Shaq Harrison. You could also throw Lillard in as a stud on all those, and Danny House as a value play on most of those sites. Also, don't forget... The Major League Baseball channel of the Locked On Network is relaunching on Monday, so go and find your favorite team's Locked On podcast. If your team's not there, it will appear very soon as we start to get all these hosts sorted out for the start of baseball season. Locked On MLB has already restarted back up. So while you're in the car, why don't you tell your smart device to play the podcast Locked On and then insert your team name there. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore And on YouTube, give it a subscribe, hit the bell, leave a comment, and give it a thumbs up. Guys, we... done here. Thank you so much for listening everyone. See ya. Rivers.